All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, Jeff Reed, Vice President of Information Technology at the Bocini Poland Group. Welcome to the show. Let's just, let's go back the old school way and we'll start off with, you give me a little background and how you got into this um, perfectly always organized working in efficiency technology okay. job. Yeah, we'll, we'll pretend that that's true. <laughs> um, well, how far do we want to go back? Do you want me to go back to hmm. the beginning or do you want me to go back? I mean, I like as old as Pong. Sometimes that's older for other people. <laughs> Sometimes it's punch cards. So, I mean, yeah. I like going back that far. So, because there's, you know, as there's a turn of the guard, I guess, with people older than, younger than millennials, uh, like right. myself, you know, there's people that have actually grown up with internet, which I'm assuming you grew up with no internet. That's for sure. I'll, I'm back in bulletin board days. <laughs> yeah. so I, I guess way back. So I'm, I'm 49 now, I just turned 49. And I got my first IT position when I was 17, my, my uncle worked in for a company called DuPont here in Delaware. It's a, mm. one of the biggest employers um, mm. in Delaware. He kind of got me in as a weekend, what they called a computer operator, but all it was was a glorified like librarian. Um, yeah, because what was a computer back then? Yeah, what was it? I mean, was it running on, you know, spinning tapes like what we had in, you know, the, the early 007 movies? Have you ever watched, yeah. isn't it funny how you watch those movies and you look at what was like high tech back then? It's, um, it's always like a big room with like spinning wheels of tapes and stuff like that. Was and, it similar to that? Big yeah. yeah. I mean, I, when I look at that stuff, I always say to my kids, I used to work on that kind of machine. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, right. Dad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, these, I mean, when I worked at DuPont, we did have the reels, but we also had these, uh, cartridges that were probably about the I don't know, about four by five. Um, and they had a, a tape library of a hundred thousand tapes. And basically the machines, there was about 20 machines and it just said, Hey, feed me tape number, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And you just went and got it and you fed it. And that was your uh, job. Was, that was my job. And it was, a, it was a weekend job. I was a kid. I was 17. You know, all I needed was gas money. That's so, pretty sweet, actually. So, yeah. what was I doing when I was 17? Nothing good, probably. I'm 45, so I'm not too far off. So, I'm not too right. far off. So, I'm 45, so that means when you were 17, I was, what, 13 or something like that? So, yeah, it was, you know, it was similar. There's, there's computers coming out. Did you have a computer at home at the time? I had a Commodore 64C. Yeah, it was perfect. And an Apple II, I think. Apple IIe. Yeah. Oh, so you had so, two. My wide brother, my brother had the Apple. I had the Commodore because my buddies all hmm. played games and the Commodore had all the games. And hmm. That's, that's hmm. where I got. That's what, kind of how I got. What'd your brother end up going into? Because he had the, what, what'd your brother, did he end up going into technology or something else? No, and he should have because he, I mean, the guy was so smart. He just ended up going down like manu the manufacturing path. Uh -huh. It's because he uh, had the Apple. It's because he had the Apple, I guess. That's right. That's what I saw. <laughs> the, and okay. then, you know, it, I, I left there and went to work for a company company as a printer operator. Mm. And we worked on these big, giant, five-foot reels of paper. Mm -hmm. And it just printed out. We just printed, printed nonstop all day. Mm. These machines were probably about 50 feet long. 
and it just spit out paper nonstop. And we just had to stack them, move them, do whatever. Did it seem more fun back then, or is it more fun now? Ah, it's more fun now. Mm. Thankfully. I mean, back <laughs> then, I couldn't wait to get out so I can go hang with my friends. So uh-huh. I really wasn't, it really didn't mean anything other than gas money at the time. You know, it, it made me a, Maybe it may be a better IT guy in the long run, but you know, I really wasn't concerned with that. Just um, completely aside, IT aside, just curious. Is your uh, best part, best years of your life, are they now or were they earlier in your life? So, so far, are we talking career. I'm just talking, talking in general. Like when I think now, when I think now, I think, and I think back to just what we all have to go through growing up and I've got kids and stuff like that. I think now is probably the best time in my life, career, family, everything, just me in general. I mean, people go through all kinds of crap. So, I mean, it's, it's different yeah. for anybody, but uh, for me right now, it, I would say it's probably right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know what? I can't imagine not having my kids. My, I got a 14 year old, 11 year old. Mm-hmm. So if I said, Oh yeah, I like to go back when I was 30. So I was having a lot of fun. I mm-hmm. feel pretty bad. <laughs> but, I mean, I got, oh, so he guilt tripped you job. into saying now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a great job with a great company. I have great kids and wife. So like everything's firing on all cylinders. So I, mm. yeah, right now is a good time to be alive. Excellent. So somehow we have to, so you, so you moved from, you know, was it always tech jobs then? Or was it, then it was printer job or was it, no, I worked at Burger King for a while. Nah, tech tech the whole way through 32 years of it wow and at what point did it become so then did you did you go to school go to college or anything like that and was like i'm definitely going this route and it was obvious it was kind of weird i went to school to be an industrial engineer i thought i was going to i thought i'd be more interested in doing that and uh, i got my degree and never you know you kind of get another job get another job i never went that route i kind of just went yeah. that way for school and then I got a technology degree after that. But, I mean, it seems to be pretty common. Problem. It seems to be pretty common. A lot of engineers, a lot of engineers go IT. It's it's very yeah. common. I would say thirty percent of the people that I've had on this podcast, quite quite a large sure. number. Yeah, we're engineer. We're like you know going the engineering route and ended up in technology. So there's there, there's something there about that. So, at what point did you end up moving into some sort of leadership role and what, what do you remember any kind of turning point where it was like, no, I'm no longer just, you know, keeping the blinky lights on anymore, unless you're still doing that. I hope that's not the only thing you're doing, but um, sure. at what point was it? No, now, now it's, it, it's quite large and serious. And now I'm, I'm in an IT leadership role. I'd say back, I used to work for a, a, a global pharmaceutical company and mm-hmm. that was two jobs ago. So that is, we're pushing 10, 12. I probably left there about 12 years ago. And I had a manager there who, and she was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. She was a good mentor. She kind of, she kind of honed in on what you were really good at. And she really mm-hmm. like tried to harvest that. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw her. And then when she left, I had another great manager come in and he was great. And I just thought, okay, do I want to, because I was a nerd. I mean, I love fixing things. I love building things. I, I worked on a uh, North America regional team. We fixed problems across mm-hmm. the whole country. I loved it. It was my thing. Well, but real quick, I, I thought, okay. just, just yeah. real quick. 
you said that she harvested your strengths, so to speak. Yeah. What, what was that? What did she so harvest like, and, and how did she do it? She knew what everybody on the team was good at. And she, she developed you to fulfill a specific role on that team. And our team was a team of rock stars because we all had different skill sets. And I think she put this team together with that in mind. And, you know, at the time probably didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after we were done and we, we ended up getting bought by another pharmaceutical company, we kind of all kind of withered apart. Mm-hmm. That's when I, I was like, wow, you know, we had every base covered mm-hmm. in that department. Mm. She pulled them and she pulled them from multiple different sites across the region. And I'm telling you, we, there wasn't anything we couldn't solve. Back so she then. cherry picked, she, she cherry picked people. She put together like a special team. Yep. That and is by far when, when people ask me, when I look back at like, you know, how I was, and I'm, I'm just sharing it at the same time. Cause when I ask, you know, I tell people a lot of times when they're looking for a job or something, like make sure you strategically look for the right job. Make sure you don't go to a place where they're just going to hand you a pile of crap and, and, and say, deal with it. Right. You have yeah. some sort of flexibility. And every company that I worked at where I was highly successful, I was able to build a special team. And what it, it might not even been a team. I might not have even been in a in a management role. I might not have even been in a leadership role. But it was still about who are the people that are supporting me that are going to help me get to X Y Z, and then handpick yeah. those people. And I can clearly remember being at a company where we had to, you know, sell like this you know complex product, and you know you have to take something from from sale to implementation through through um, um, well, a implementation, project management, all the way to training end users, all the way to the end. And if you don't have a special person at every point of the way, like most companies, things get kind of fall off at implementation and people ignore, you know, integration and stuff like that. If you don't have someone every step of the way, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. That weak link, that weak link is a really, but I mean, that'll get you. So what did she say? What did she, what, what were you doing there? What was your strengths? Was, my role was a region, North America regional desktop engineering. So my, my strength was, one, I was a people person, which sometimes in the IT world, that's a, a, a part that's really lacking. That's all you need. Like <laughs> sometimes that's all you need in the IT world. <laughs> right. I can uh, Google the rest. <laughs> Yeah, if you're smart, you can and you can talk the talk. Maybe maybe yeah. you can make it. Empty. But um, like my my role was that when we would roll out new products, new projects, I would make sure that we would build it and implement it throughout the entire country. Um, I would work with all the remote sites, probably about fifteen of them, and we'd roll it out. And we would support. We were the tier three to every site in in North America, so. I became the, the tech, technical lead because I could handle the the oddball problems that would come up, mm. and then if and I, then I also did a lot of the larger projects. Um, I, we had people that were excellent project managers but weren't as technical, and then we had me who was really technical, but I wasn't as great as a, a project manager as they were mm. because I was a doer. I was more of a hands-on, get dirty kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. 
we would we would team up and it would be a, a perfect scenario. But I was the person everybody came to. If they couldn't figure something out, I'd figure it out with them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I was smarter, but I just knew how to get around things and knew how to knew how everything worked. And I don't know. That's that was my skill set. Well, no, there. but the point is, is you learned, I'm, I'm assuming you, you, you had a big takeaway just from your past manager's ability to harvest people's strengths. And yeah. I'm assuming that had a fairly impactful, it was impactful to you when you, when you moved it, on it, later on. It was. And if you want to know when it almost fucked the life out of me is when I went and worked for the government. <laughs> oh my God. That's a different world. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Butts I went in the from seat. being like a crazy hard worker to, hey, slow down. Yeah, slow down. This, this, we need to draw this out for eight months. Like seriously, yeah. this, this, this is an RFP. Like we need to draw this out for eight months, and we need to vastly overspend on this uh, box yeah. of Q-tips because but, we need. Some managers were the ones that really set me in and saying, you know what, I can do this. I can do the same thing. So skipping, uh, so you, so you, well, I think the government thing is an important piece just because you realized where you don't want to be. Um, yep. so that, you know, sometimes we, sometimes we learn like, no, this is just really, this is, this is not it for me. Um, and then, so how is the, um, how's, how's the, the team now? How big is your team right now? So right now I've built it from scratch. So I kind of did what, I was taught before I have one, two, three, three people below me right now. So it's just a team of four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got application support. I've got senior IT specialists and I got that. I have desktop support too, mm-hmm. but we're only supporting about 400 people. Mm-hmm. So a team of four works really well. Um, we, we cover everything soup the nuts, which I missed. At the, over at the government level, I missed that pharmaceutical company. We do everything from the phone line coming in through and through the walls, through yep. the ceilings, to the servers. Everything it's, it's, everything's owned by us, and we uh, we manage it really well. So. It's it's interesting that you said four hundred is is a small number because I've found that the average ratio of of IT professional to end users in a mid market enterprise company is one to a hundred. Which to me is okay. still, so you're right on, but it's still absurd to think that that's plenty of people, <laughs> plenty, plenty of IT power, because it's still, I mean, and I think of it from the aspect of, you know, teacher and students in the classroom. Right? Can you imagine mm-hmm. having? Can you imagine one teacher and a hundred students? Like, how can how can every student really be served? But when you bring right. in technology, you can do that, and. It's just, I'm only pointing it out to point out what a superpower and what basically everyday hero the IT guys are. Because you have four people supporting 400 people. That, at the, if you stand back and you actually think about that, that's a lot of people you're supporting. And 15 locations. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like it's not like what you're, you're downplaying it. I think I think you're downplaying uh, how good of a job you do. So, um, how do you, when it comes to, I guess in in that environment, what's your biggest problem that you deal with on a daily, weekly, whatever monthly basis? 
It could be anything. It could be literally anything. It could be support from executive management. It could be communication. It could be, I don't know, balancing all the tickets that we get from this particular thing. I don't know. Well, I think it is. The company I work for now is a company of companies. So it's not like we are, we, we do one thing and we have a specific set of applications and we support them. We, we, have about six or seven, I'm, I'm probably downplaying that, different business types that have very specific business needs. Uh-huh. And every one of those businesses thinks they're the most important thing to me. Uh-huh. So that I, I need to jump because some part of their business is not functioning up to par. But I have to actually manage that. I have to manage my priorities. And that's really hard to do because I don't, I don't want to say that our food and beverage division is any less important than our commercial operations business or, Mm. or whatever. Mm. So it's hard to manage client expectation and manage, um, manage the prioritization of what's coming in. And it's really hard with a mid-size enterprise company. Um, A lot of the other departments are, are, short staff as well. So everything comes at you like a shotgun. It's not planned out. It's not, Hey, this is our, this is our standard process for doing things. It's, Hey, I need this yesterday. Yeah. Hey, we just hired a guy who's starting tomorrow. We need new equipment. It's always like, I mean, it's a shotgun coming out of that. It sounds very, uh, it sounds very like, like, like a chapter in the, the Phoenix project. Have you read that? No, you got to read that. <laughs> Get it on audio. It's like it's like because it's like twenty four hours long. But you, if you have not listened to the Phoenix Project yet or read the book, you must because it is. There's literally a chapter in that book that's very. It's like you you literally want to bang your head on the desk and cry for the guy that because it's about you know com- competing priorities and 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 like literally like six hundred to like eight hundred like tickets like backlogged from every department and all these people, you know, pulling people in different directions and, and like a weak, a weak link, like, you know, it employee that can, can, he's the only one that can fix like, you know, all of these. And, you know, so he gets in, he, but he's the one on the main project and gets pulled away from all these different things because everyone else's thing is more important than everyone else's. I mean, you said it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, other, I think the one thing I hate to do every month, is balance balance my accounting. Okay. Recon, reconcile all my spending. Okay. For the entire company. Well, that is the one day I cannot stand. So you so you almost procrastinate it. Yeah, I mean the accounting <laughs> folks send me the send me the information. Uh-huh. I say okay, I got to set aside a couple hours to do this, and I just I mean it's always the last minute. Here you go. Here it is. Okay, so this because is I manage the IT spend for all entities. All uh, locations. Oh, wow. There's no like, no system for that? We, we don't have an app we for that yet? <laughs> we did have a, purchase, a purchasing department that made it easier, but it uh-huh. kind of kind of rethought this this whole thing. And we, we that now we, we do a lot with Amazon now, uh-huh. and they do have a good reconciliation uh-huh. uh, report that you can run. Uh-huh. But it's still, I just, 
it's one of those things. It's not technical. It's not fun. It's not. Glamorous. Do you have to divide everything or like divide stuff up into different departments? Is that what it is in codes for it, accounting and that type of stuff? Yeah, different GL codes, different entity codes, splitting yep. them. Yeah, yeah. So. How, I mean, it does bring up the the budget as a question. The, are they, are you in a healthy IT organization where they, they, they have no problem spending money on IT? It's just a pain, you know, reconciling it all. Or is there also that aspect as well, which is like, you got to stay within budget at the same time. And how are you asking for more money when you need it? So I do, I, I, bring out or I create the IT budget for every entity at the end of the year. Uh And if we hit something where there's like a a big spend that I think is the right way to go and we can, there's some good ROI coming out of it or it's reducing like the threat risk. Um, My, I report directly to the president and she and I have a great relationship. Um, I would normally pitch it to her, explain mm-hmm. to her what I think the situation is. Yep. I'll tell her what I think the right choice is. Yeah. She's great because she'll she'll come up with different ideas and maybe 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 I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not thinking big enough. So we'll then we'll go to the the brothers who own the company and then we kind of pitch it to them and and I I mean, yeah, I do get shot down sometimes, but I think the overall picture we we find the money. Mm. Um and do the right thing. Um, I try my best to not spend money um, mm. as often as I can. So I do calculate how much savings we can do. If I do something for a site, I, I calculate, hey, this is called, this is saving that site twelve hundred dollars a month. Mm. And I actually put that in my head and I put it on my board mm. and I say, okay, maybe if something comes up that I need ten thousand dollars for, it's a wash. Mm. So I think about it in that way, you know, it, but then you get to the point where you, there's just the, the purse won't open and you got to deal with it. Sometimes the financial speak can confuse people, but it's really quite simple at the end of the day. Like, are you saving money? Are you making money? Um, protecting, I guess, the business at the same time. But I think there's three points there that three points. I'm going to say three points very clearly so that my my editors, when they edit this episode, they put these three points into the show notes. The um, But three points under the financial kind of aspect of IT that's very important when asking for money and numerous things is number one, point number one, you have a good relationship with your basically C-level directors. In your case, it's direct relationship with the CEO, correct? Yep. Okay, so number one, a good relationship with the CEO. So you're like on the same page. You're like, yeah, you're pretty much meeting at the same table if they're, you know, metaphorically the the executive round table. And number two, um, why did I forget? already what number two was. We're just trying to remember how how we um, described this very clearly, which was, oh, maybe it's, hey, you know your money very, very well to begin with, and you're trying to save money as much as possible and be efficient. Um, so when you go to ask for money for a big project that makes sense, people trust you. Right. That's kind of a point. I wonder what that, how would we, how would we, 
help me wordsmith that. What's what's bullet point number two? It's it's you know I I, I don't know. I'm good with money. <laughs> I don't know. Or faith, uh, faith in your in your staff. Okay. Faith that they're having that they they have they know the owners know that the president knows that I've got their best interests. Great. Uh, so there's trust. Okay. So trust. And trust yep. is two things. Do I do I trust that the person's a believably good person that's not going to screw us over? And number two, are they competent? That's what trust is. It's basically point A and point B. I guess A and B we have to say there. Okay, so, and then uh, point three was you track it. You report on it. So you know you know where you're saving money, where the ROI is coming in, and... Um, you, you 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 know where you've saved money, so you've got to kind of like that bank decide like, hey, we saved this much money over here. Can we move it here? So you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul or whatever that saying is um, in certain aspects. Yeah, um, because there's a lot of stupid things that people are spending money on in the IT world right now. That's literally just hemorrhaging money that they could be using uh, towards a digital transformation. Sure. For example, yeah old MPLS circuits that you have three meg throughput on people pay literally. I, I, I ran into one not too long ago. That was $60,000 a month for f- fully meshed MPLS network. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a lot of sites, but it was $60,000 a month. You know what I mean? It was like for three megs. Like, can, oh my can you imagine paying $60,000 a month for th- like a three meg WAN? I mean, you're just like, please. And it was like a simple, but you know, there, you know, there's other things too. There's numerous like kind of like quick hits that people can come in. And that's why I love that every now and then an ITI can come in and be like a true hero to a company because he just eliminates all this low hanging fruit and then reinvests it into the stuff that makes sense. So why that's happening, I don't know. I think someone gets it. Maybe it's back to the government metaphor again. You know, slow down, slow down, buddy. You know, we want to keep our jobs here for a long time Um, and do little. The (laughs) someone's going to get mad. Some government guys are going to be like, what are you talking about? This is America. (laughs) (laughs) This is America. Right. I I will go on the record to say that I have good employees there, but you can see it. You can see it all around. I, I lived and worked in, in D.C. and around the Beltway for years, okay? I, I've seen it all. And then I, I've seen the heated driveways with the, the, the heated tile driveways, too, from the, from uh, I don't know, some retired military dude that's been, you know, lobby, not lobbying, uh, that does, you know, government, whatever the bid boards and all that stuff, and 8A, 8A yeah. service to, you know, all that stuff. It's it's amazing when you're there, when you see how it all works. Um some of the, some some of the systems could be improved in our in our government. They're a little broken. Let's just put it that way. I'll put it lightly. Um, as far as reporting, though, like as far as reporting these business numbers and stuff, um, do you ever have to give like a quarterly report or business report or anything like that? Do you get to do you get very involved on any type of uh, P and L statement or understanding um, how the business works from that aspect? No, but I do work with the people that, that do do it. And they normally come to me quarterly and ask me about the spend and what we're doing and where, what, what's that spend look like next year. And mm. uh, they'll come to me and I provide them with, with rough numbers. And then they kind of, you know, take that and run with it. But me, I'm not really, I don't really get too far into that. I, I've got too many other things to do to, 
really focus on that that yeah. part of it. No, I got you. I just think it's sometimes it's um there's I've I've had people in the past tell me that it's helpful to be able to speak the the CFO speak, you know, the the capital expenditure, the flow through profits, cash cash efficiencies, EBITDA, you know, th- these type of things are 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 helpful sometimes when you have to go if you don't have a really good relationship with the CEO and you have to go, you know, present to the board as to why we're why we're purchasing this new, I don't know, $500,000 XYZ widget. The <clears throat> Uh, and with that being said, vendor stuff, do you deal with a, a lot of vendors and what's your kind of vendor philosophy? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am the direct contact to any IT vendor that, that sells to us. Um, you know, I've over the last five, six years, I've kind of weeded out a lot of the, the vendors that I think are of no value to me. And I've, I've, I've had a list of, you know, heavy hitters that I like to use all the time. Yeah. And our relationships are, are so good. But, and, and those are great constant communication. The projects go their way. The money flows their, their way. I know I'm getting quality back. Well, let's talk um, about what makes a good vendor then. So I tell you what makes a bad vendor. Great. <laughs> even better. Even better. Uh, like I've got an issue with, and I, and I know I, you know, I, I've never done IT sales before. I don't, I, I'm sure it's difficult, but I, I'm, I have LinkedIn and I think every IT salesperson on the planet has reached out to me 30 times this year because that's all LinkedIn is. I, I can't even log into LinkedIn to actually go view what I really would like to see what other companies are doing. Huh. Well, I'm glad that um, I'm glad that you logged in and re- responded to my director. I guess. Yeah, because there's there's a way to in my book there's a way to to, to communicate. Um, and a <laughs> yes, lot of these, like a human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, go ahead. Uh, when you when you guys reached out, at first I wasn't interested. I was like, I'm too busy for this. And then, I, and then uh, I think he pinged me one more time, and then I said, "Well, let me take a let me let me take a peek at what's going on." And then I listened in, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds good. This is this is the kind of stuff I could listen to." Oh, thank you. Oh, right off. But then I and then I look right below it, and there's 30 people trying to sell me their cybersecurity stuff. Oh, and it's the security. It's not like they have a product that they're trying to convince me to buy. They're asking me what products I need, like. What is you? I want to talk. To, they want to talk to me, and I want, they want me to give them their sales pitch. Mm. And I just I can't deal with it. Vendors who are constantly uh, trying to sell me. I, I'd rather have a vendor reach out to see how I'm doing. It's true. I hate when I get the hi Phil. I am with blah blah blah, and I get we called. Uh, I took a LinkedIn course actually. Uh, maybe three or three or four years ago. And the, I'm going to, I'll give him a, so his name is Tyrone, I think Giuliani or Julie. I, I, he's going to kill me now for butchering his last name, but um, he lives in Japan and he's like an Australian dude. And he calls the, the LinkedIn thing. He's like, don't do the value vomit. 
He's like, don't show up in my inbox and just, you know, send me. That's not how human beings interact. He's like, they don't interact this way where like, hey, by the way, my name is, when can I get on your calendar? I'd love to jump on your calendar. I'm moving this to the top of your inbox, blah, blah, blah. Here's what we do. Here's all this. It's just human beings don't interact that way. And you just don't want to talk with people like that. Yeah. And you hit it on the head. I probably have three of them in my mailbox just from today. Yeah, I definitely have a ton. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? But um, yeah, so that's why... Yeah, I love when people say something crazy to me and then I'm like, okay, finally, like a diamond in the rough. <laughs> yeah, and I, I have great relationships with Dell, with a lot of Microsoft partners. Mm-hmm. I've got, and I've, I've really weeded them out or weeded the bad ones out and kept the good ones. And so how do you I've know got, what you don't know then is I guess the question, because that's the, that's the kind of fear thing. And I think that w- one of the issues that, IT people can do is they can go down the dark hole of research and they could spend eight months trying to vet a certain project, right? Because uh, they're, how do you find the right vendor then? So how, how are you picking the right vendor? It, it not on LinkedIn? To, not on LinkedIn. That's for sure. Where are you going? Um, I, I go to, <laughs> don't tell I anyone. <laughs> you Google things? Okay. We're Googling? Well, now, next, next week I'll be at uh, a conference down uh-huh. in Florida, and it's called the MES Conference, uh-huh. Mid-Size Enterprise Summit. Uh-huh. And all of the heavy hitters are there. All the heavy hitters from all aspects of IT are there. And you get to meet them, talk to them, you know, hands-on experience with their products. Uh-huh. You can have breakout sessions with them, have dinner with them. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've gotten a lot of these contacts is it, moments like that where I make a connection and I go, okay. And I'm, I'm honest with them. I'm brutally honest. And I demand that they be brutally honest with me. And if I feel like we should try something out, we will. And if it does not work, I'll be brutally honest and say, we will not do this again. Um, <laughs> and I think after, you know, I'm 32 years in this, I can kind of read people pretty well. And you might have a great salesperson with a really crappy team behind them. Or you might have a mm. weak salesperson with a great team behind them. You'll never know unless you talk to your colleagues. And when I go to MES, all of those people that are invited to come there are all the same level as me, director or higher. They work a lot of, they try to you know, match you up with like, like people, like companies. Mm-hmm. And you build this like big rapport with all these people and you start talking like, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. You know, who are you using? And mm-hmm. it's extremely beneficial. And I go to Spice World um, yep. uh, every year. That's an, another way to, to kind of, you know, see what, every, what, what, what is out there and then, you know, go down that route. So you got to stay relevant. You got to stay, you got to keep stepping into those arenas to keep your eyes open. So there is no good, I don't think there's a, a right answer, but that's how I do it anyway. Yeah, there's not, I mean... There's certainly a lot of um, good people out there. There's no like, like you said, perfect um, one size fits all. First of all, every company is different. Anyways, your company is different from another company. Your group of end users respond different than a different group of end users. One guy's got a bunch of truckers in his company. The other one's got you know whatever. It's it's amazing sometimes the uh, the the different groups of end users and how they respond to any type of technology that we put in their hands or. 
I guess in the cloud now. The yeah. Um. So, been very fun talking with you. If there was, what should I have asked you? Is is there anything out? Is there anything that um? Again, back to kind of like what's your single? What, what do you what do you think is the any IT directors or or what do you think is one of the single biggest struggles, problems, or frustrations that people are dealing with in the world in IT right now? What? Well, I think I think one the cyber threat landscape mm-hmm. right now is is horrible, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's really putting a lot of strain on IT folks with all this remote work, that these hybrid working environments, uh, bring your own device, um, all of these things just create these massive, massive security holes. And when you're a small, mid-sized company, you do not have a stock. You don't have a, a guy dedicated to network security. You don't have a guy dedicated mm-hmm. to all these VPN and, and, it's, it's really tough. We, I think for the mid-size, I think, I think that's the struggle for mid-size the most. I think that, and I, if I was a, a hacker or a, a bad guy on the web with, with these skills that these guys have now, that would be my target. Mid-size companies between 100 and 500 people that have limited IT folk mm-hmm. that can, you know, I can't look at I can't look at logs all day. I don't have the money to spend on really expensive monitoring tools. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the problem today, because everyone, especially in this country, everyone is is almost demanding this flexible work environment, mm. which is just a security nightmare. Mm. So, I mean, that's that's one of the, the biggest things. And I think another thing that, that I think IT management and and even even like my tech guys, we, we got to have empathy towards these uh, employees that we support. We ultimately we think that we're our own de- our own department. You know, we're the IT department. They're accounting. They're sales. They're this. They're that. Um, we're still a service company. We're we're still like a maintenance guy. We're we're here to support the other department. And I think a lot of IT people, especially along my way, kind of thought that they were better than that. That <laughs> that they they all oh, they interesting. should be asking that. Uh, they why why are they asking that? And for example, I never give me an that. example. So why why would this department be asking for individual printers when there's a copier right there? Mm-hmm. Well, their department head said that they're going to print um, confidential information, and they need to have a they need to have their own printer. And then the IT person thinks to themselves, "Well, they don't need that. They don't. That, why would they need that?" Well, we're here to to provide a service to a company or to a, to a department. We're going to tell. My job is to tell them my opinion, but ultimately, they're the one who writes the check. So we need to, IT people sometimes need to take that, that step back. And it takes me back to that Saturday Night Live skit yeah. where they, they, Move they, they over. called the IT department and yeah. they were like, you know. Move. They, 
Yeah, <laughs> move. Click here, F1, um, shift two, three, four. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we need to, we need to um, take a step back and say, we are the mechanics. We need to fix this. We need to do it. Uh, I think there's a, there's a fine line there. But. Uh, there's definitely a bridge. And the entire purpose of the show is to bridge that gap between IT and uh, speaking the language of business, right? Because there is a jump that a lot of, IT professionals look to make, and that is they want to go from IT director to CTO or CIO, and they want to go, they want to become kind of, they want to kind of move into that C-level realm, right? Which is, uh, to a degree, interesting that you said they think they're bigger than they are, because from that standpoint, that that would fit right in line with it. Um, but there is a reality, there, the, the reality is that some of the largest companies that are making the most money on the face of this earth are technology companies. So yeah. some geek that was that dude on the Saturday Night Live skit figured out a way to become the richest man in the world. Yeah. In fact, quite a few of them are that way. So there is this kind of um, dynamic there of, of, of like, yes, yes, we're the service department because yes, we are customer service. We are, our customers are our end users and we're serving them and the tickets are anything. But at the same time, there's this, um, I don't know the way that the world is changing and where it's going, and just that's probably and you can wrap in security easily into that into this dynamic as to why it's you know maybe why some of those maybe some of them jumped to the dark side and and, and became you know were so arrogant that they're just going to rob people now <laughs> like screw this I'm just going to become a you know I'm just going to go to the dark side, um. But there is this gap between, um, and I think you basically, you know, described it quite clearly. There, there's a gap between um, the technology and the business side. I don't see any reason why that can't be bridged, or why they can't all work together in harmony. And and that's the ultimate goal, right? Because nothing in the company gets done without IT. Yeah, and you have you have to have that manager or that person that can bridge that gap. I mean, I. It's, and that's, that's hard to come by because people get technical, these technical people, sometimes they don't have that person skill. Exactly. Skill. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but they're probably, you know, yeah, unless they've got, unless they've got you, you know, then they've got to um, come out of the server closet, I guess. Yeah. And uh, one last thing I like to say is even no matter how high you get up the rung um, in your career, never stop doing the work maybe just do less of that tech work, but never stop doing it. Um, dig in every once in a while, like dig into some projects that you might like. And, I mean, if I didn't, I think I'd lose my mind. Yeah. Because it's, you're not okay with just, you know, sitting and being a butt in the seat and just collecting a paycheck. Right. It'd be too boring. It'd be too boring. You know, It'd be back to, you know, look, I'm just trying to make some gas money and uh, you'd be serving tapes. You'd be pushing tapes into the system again. <laughs> right. You know, yes, so right. yeah, the, it has been an uh, absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for your insight, especially the harvesting your strengths. So everyone out there listening, go out and harvest your strengths. And again, everyone listening, if you like the show, 
please go to, if you don't like the show, don't do this. But if you do like the show, go to um, yeah, iTunes, whatever.com and, and give us a real review, not just fill in the stars, like actually type something meaningful in. Jeff, thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure is all mine. <laughs>